and welcome to the NDA podcast. This is one in our series called NDA Meets, where we sit down and chat with some of the most interesting people in our industry. And today's is no exception. I'm joined by the fantastic Nick Reed. Uh, he's MD Amir at Double Verify. And can I call you an industry veteran? Nick, is that rude? You can call me what you like. It's your podcast. <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> Nick's been around for for a long time in this industry. And uh, there's probably few people as knowledgeable as Nick uh, in digital media and all its varieties. So we're going to talk today about well, a lot about brand safety, about Double Verify's mission, about how the media landscape is changing. So, Nick, let's kick off, though, first with something nice and broad. As I said, you're a veteran. You've been around this industry for a very long time. Uh, so what we're at the start of the year we're in February the year's just starting I could say what's your biggest hope and your biggest fear for digital advertising generally this year thank you for the intro Um, that is a broad question Um, first of all I hope everyone's safe and well Um, I think on that question I think advertising needs to evolve um, but most importantly needs to remain at the heart of a free internet um, which sounds kind of grandiose but I think with regard to privacy concerns, the market um, and consumers, no one wants to be living in a world where um, there's risk or it's cost prohibitive. So in other words, in, in a new privacy environment, we need to understand how marketing and advertising plays a role to ensure that publishers are subsidized through advertising. And again, that kind of moves on from the wider challenges over the last few years around, as I said, privacy concerns. We look at uh, uh, the deprecation of third-party cookies. How do advertisers, brands, ensure that they continue to engage or re-engage with consumers and therefore, if you like, subsidise the the publishers and the entire ecosystem? And that's part of the challenge, the reason why we are having this conversation around privacy-first concerns is because actually the consumer is somewhat despondent with what's been happening over the last few years. And if we are cognizant of that, then we can start to not rebuild, but start to reimagine what that means from both uh, an advertiser, uh, a publisher, and a consumer perspective. So how do we start to think about how we engage with those consumers in a a privacy-friendly manner? How do we start to think about how we understand context, content, and environment, and look to deliver the brand experiences or engagement that we've always looked to do through all forms of advertising. So I start off with a kind of a bold statement of wanting to be in a, in a heart for free internet, but I think that makes logical sense because it's, it's reflective of where we are now with privacy concerns and, and the challenges around avoiding walled gardens or being cost prohibitive to engage with consumers. Well, you just said um, we don't need to rebuild or we're not have to rebuild and obviously a lot of the chat at the moment is about the need to rebuild post third party cookie or when something's been removed that's been the i guess the foundation of of our industry uh so why don't we need to rebuild i think um rebuild uh or or evolve or pivot you know we've just come off the back of a, a challenge in two years and i think again when uh mankind again slightly philosophical when mankind experiences uh, scenarios like war what generally tends to happen is technology accelerates right and businesses re-pivot and i think over the last two years we've seen an industry needing to re-pivot or take decisions that perhaps they would have taken longer to kind of contemplate think about 
but they've had to make the call. So that rebuilding is a re-pivot or an acceleration towards a, a, a continued end goal, you know, whether it's digital advertising or any form of, of media or marketing, brands look to interact, engage, drive emotion with their consumer. Um, we spent the last 20 plus years perhaps um, building technology to overexpose that consumer, um, whether that be through retargeting, whether that be through personalized retargeting. We've kind of looked to personalize, perhaps we've, we've scared people off. And again, it's not saying it's the only factor, but it's certainly an element that kind of has put the industry in a, in a, a, a or put the consumer landscape in a place where actually they have privacy concerns. So technology's evolved um, in, in a way that rather than delivering experiences, we've actually delivered overexposure. And again, we need to be cognizant of that and say, right, okay, if that's the case, what does that mean if we're just doing a privacy-friendly way and we can't rely on third-party cookies to to retarget, but we can think about how we engage with content and context, which is not a new concept, um, but absolutely is something that, that will enable us to not just deliver ads in a brand-safe and suitable environment, but enable us to deliver ads in relevant, uh, irrelevant environments to that consumer we're trying to engage with. Okay, we'll talk about context uh, in depth in a minute, but... First of all, our attention as a currency. You talk about, you know, creating amazing consumer experiences, more respect for the consumer, not doing the things the other has done for, for the last few years. So why is attention such an exciting new currency? What does it actually mean? It, it, it's, it, it's not new <laughs> and it's not yet a currency um, because we've always aspired to, to drive attention with the consumer. Um, and actually, over time, if you think about the way in which we're all interacting and engaged with content digitally nowadays, I think it's 25 hours a week. It's gone up 10x at least in the last two years. Actually, getting someone's attention has become more challenging, whether that's through the multiple devices and screens we interact and engage with content on, whether it's through the channels or platforms. That's, that's the first piece. Are we actually... Are we actually reaching or, or are we creating attention? Are we actually in a place where there is a deficit of attention? Uh, that's one point. The other is, I go back to privacy first piece. How do we know if we're driving success when we look to, to engage with consumers? And traditionally, whether it's digital media or, or, or traditional media, um, we've always thought about uh, reach, frequency or impressions as being the metric. Um, now, Again, through the fragmentation of our markets, through the fragmentation of the device, that becomes more challenging to understand. You have no, at the moment, way of overlaying and understanding that measurement across those screens and devices. And then the other question is, is the, is the value or, or, or currency or attention you get from a, a traditional 30-second TV spot the same as you would do on, an online video on or through a mobile or through a screen? So... Again, there are challenges around consistency of measurement um, in addition to the way in which we can now think about privacy first where actually we think about how do we utilise attention to understand more the level of engagement or interaction that we're driving with consumers, which ultimately will be the way in which advertisers will drive business or, or, or 
brand media outcomes, right? Through understanding context and, and environments, through making sure they're able to engage and deliver or get the consumer's attention to then deliver their message that's relevant to that consumer. So it's something that's, that's not new, but something that's become much more prominent in the way in which we understand the effectiveness and efficiency of way in which we plan and buy media. Can it become a currency? Um, is the is the next question. Certainly, if you think about fragmentation, actually, attention seems to be a lot more consistent across any screen device. So how in which do we see interactions, engagements with consumers, and what's the value of that compared to an attribution against a click? So, so it's not there yet, but it's certainly, if you think about the various um, conversations we see across the marketplace, it's certainly a metric uh, that both brands, advertisers, and agencies are really looking to challenge. In fact, I think there was a piece of e-marketer research that said 98% of brands believe that attention should be a metric moving forward. So it's, it's, it's in the conversation, the mindset of, of brands and advertisers. What are the challenges to it becoming a metric? You say brands, brands want it. Uh, the industry normally follows the, the wishes of the, of the money side of the business. So what are the challenges to it becoming this metric that is needed? Change. You, you have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you have um, an industry that's built on um, a volume metric of impressions or, or, or of reach and frequency. We're asking that industry to change the way in which um, it, it, it calculates that. At the same time, that concept of, of, of measurement is challenging itself because of the fragmentation of, of screens, devices, and the, the multiple touch points that we as consumer have with with content and advertising. So there's a need. Um, there's, the again, the need to change uh, because it, that measurement concept of, of, of volume or region frequency perhaps isn't fit for purpose nowadays. So understanding that mindset and also kind of where does attention start? And for attention, for us, for DV, attention starts on the baseline of, of media quality. So, in other words, when we think about media quality, we think of, and we, we, our concept is an authentic ad, something that's fraud-free, so it's delivered to a human, it's viewable, it's brand-safe and brand-suitable, and it's delivered in the right gear. And that, for us, is an authentic ad, but also a baseline of, of, of media quality. Only upon then can you start to build attention on that. So, for example, without an ad being viewable, it surely can't drive attention. So all these, all these uh, concepts are based on the prerequisite of media quality. So the challenges are identified. We need to work out or we need to work with to start to build upon that. Also, if I think about the authentic ad, it's a finite proposition. Um, attention isn't necessarily so. Um, but again, we are working with advertisers and agencies to start to think about how exposure and engagement can can build out metrics for attention. Okay, let's go back to contextual. I mean, <laughs> contextual's been around forever. It's sort of going back to the future. But in a post-cookie world, there's been a lot of attention paid to contextuals, a lot of money being going into contextual. Uh, so what in your view, again, we've got a nice umbrella view of this industry uh, over the last couple of decades. What role is contextual going to play in a post-cookie world? So I think um, you would break it down into first in terms of how do we target consumers in a way that's contextually relevant to that consumer. 
in a way that's contextually relevant and privacy friendly to that consumer. Alongside that, or parallel to that, you also think, well, from a contextual point of view, as a brand, where do I want to be seen? So just as, as context and content is envi- of environment is important for the brand in terms of brand safety and suitability, also becomes incredibly important for the brand when thinking about how they engage with their consumer in the right context, content, and environment. So, so the deprecation of third-party cookie, how do we think about um, how privacy actually becomes uh, not a concern to advertisers, but a way in which it accelerates new trends or new ways in which to for advertisers to, to engage with consumers? So privacy-friendly advertising shouldn't be considered a negative. It should be thinking about how does that fold into our strategy. And context is absolutely one of those those strategies or approaches. How do we think in the, in the, whether it's an open-based web or within within certain platforms? How do we think about not just using context for targeting, but then also for contextual relevancy as not just a way to target, but also drive and improve performance. If you're in the right context as a consumer, as you're engaging with the right content, then you will be much more open to consuming or engaging and interacting with ads that is in the same content environment. So it's a, it's an element of media quality stroke brand safety. It's a way in which we should think about how we target or engage, I prefer, how we engage with the consumer. But also it's a way in which we could absolutely drive and improve performance when it comes to delivering that more relevant media or business outcome that we're trying to achieve as an advertiser. So how's it evolving? Again, back to my point, it's sort of contextual. So if you're advertising perfume, you want to be in the pages of Vogue. That's kind of how advertising works. So how how is contextual evolving? I mean, I've heard it described as contextual 2.0. Is that, <laughs> is that a thing? Is that a thing? Um, I'm sure it will become a thing. Um, I think it's evolving through through technology, uh, through the use of semantics, and through the use of understanding the the content and, and language within a page. We can start to be a lot more prescribed in terms of how we kind of how we uh, engage within that context and content. Um, I think it will be it is becoming more problem problem because of of the the challenge. And, and need for it to be so given the third-party cookie deprecation. So I think uh, a lot more businesses are very much focused on um, being associated with the right content. And again, that's not as new, but making sure they're much more specific in terms of semantics ar- around that. And again, understanding how that drives performance or, be- or business or media outcomes around that targeting and engagement. Okay, thank you. Now let's move on to talk about brand safety. Uh, obviously a big area for DV. Uh, NDA is partnering with the Brand Safety Summit. It's coming back in person, thank goodness, uh, thank in London, London, yeah, for <laughs> next month. Uh, now, people, some people might say, do we need a, a Brand Safety Summit year after year after year? You know, why is, is it necessary to sort of have such a focus on this particular area still, do you think? And if so, why? Um, I, I, would, I would say yes, not just because it's an area of our business that we've built or is our core area of our business. I would say absolutely yes, because um, actually the, the market continues to evolve. If you think about brand safety, go back seven, ten years, you, you can kind of put it in the same bucket as insurance. Uh, you wanted to, to to understand you're in the safe 
a brand safe, brand suitable, brand safe environment. So not aligned or near content um, that was inappropriate. I would say that brand safety through insurance has moved much more further on to kind of understanding measurement and how does that drive into performance. So brand safety evolves to brand suitability. So of course I want to be in a brand safe environment, but actually I want that environment to be reflective of my brand. Therefore, it should be suitable to my brand, uh, reflective of of either the, 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 the type of industry I'm in or actually cognizant of the brand that I want to represent and why is that important it's important for the brand but it's also important to the consumer which drives all of this Uh, and again I I think over the last two years both um, brands and the consumers seem to have a much more improved self-awareness of where they should be when it comes to both advertising the content also, kind of the consumer, as we we discussed already, really does have, rightfully so, the power to actually not want to in, engage if they see brands in the inappropriate or non-safe or non-suitable environment. So, to go back to your question: brand safety continues to evolve. You could say brand safety has evolved to brand suitability, and I think is moving towards the importance of brand and integrity. So. Yes, we want to be in safe environments, reflective of our or reflective of our brand, our brand's essence, but also kind of reflective of in a way in which we can start to build trust and integrity with our audiences. So whether that's understanding more or being able to kind of align more around sustainability, uh, whether that's more around DE and I or, or all of the above. How does how do we start to think about how that builds trust with the consumer? Something that perhaps has been lost over the last the last few years. So the 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 space in itself evolves. Um, also importantly, the 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 measurement of media quality is much more moving into how does that drive the performance of media outcomes or business outcomes. So where as before brand safety was insurance, measurement now is driving performance when it comes to uh, pre-bid filtering, when it comes to pre-bid environments. We look at how our advertisers and agencies are working with us from a measurement perspective and how how they use the authentic ad to then power what we call ABS, authentic brand safety, within the pre-bid environments to make sure there's no limited, or that there, there's no wastage when it comes to blocking. So actually, what they're starting to utilise is that measurement to drive improve media performance and better media and business outcomes. So should our industry be um, cognizant of brand safety? Yes. Does it have a place in the market? More so than ever. There's also that you know, the marketeers of this world, there isn't a brand that I know I, I know of that wants to be in an environment that's not brand safe and relevant. So I mentioned self-awareness earlier. There's, there's a, a far greater understanding of brands in terms of actually where they should be and, and what their brand should represent both as, as a business, but also the way in which they engage with consumers. And that goes back to that concept of brand integrity, which I think we're, we will hear a lot more. In fact, I'd love to see what they say at your 
your brand safety summit later in the year. I love that phrase, brand integrity. And on that, how how much better do you think the industry is getting at being less uh, what's the word? I mean, blunt brand safety? We, we saw it in the early days of the pandemic, for instance, our ad word blockers and making, making sure that brands couldn't appear around coverage of the pandemic, useful coverage of the pandemic. This has been an endemic, endemic? Uh, ongoing problem, you know, in terms of the application of brand safety tools and techniques. Uh, and again, we're seeing so much focus now on the fact that brands by their media investment can support a diverse media which does incredible good to the society etc how how sophisticated are I mean, advertisers there, getting now there's there's about 10 points there right so they're uh that the, the, give you lots of points at once. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, to your point the last point around the diversity of media then you know, then there's also the elements around uh news content right you know, a hell of a lot of, of news sites were are being blocked because actually the mechanics around brand safety, not so much in the measurement, but how that is feeding back into the, the media part, uh, are preventing that. So keywords, for example. So I think over the last two years, again, it's been accelerated or amplified because of technology developments, but also kind of because of the need and understanding. Again, I go back to my first point. We need to make sure that we are working within an un, with an ad-funded ecosystem. So fantastic journalism, whether it be on news site or any publisher, can be afforded, can be funded. Um, and there are elements uh, perhaps where previously that wasn't the case. So a lot more is being done on both the buy side and the supply side, driven by brands understanding that broad-based keyword blocking will not suffice, understanding that they do want to be associated with news, but what they are cognizant of the context or the brand suitability of the content they want to be associated with. And likewise, when it comes to diversity of publishers, likewise, again, I think we'll see around the sustainability of businesses, not just that certain brands want to be associated with um, sustainability from a, their own brand perspective, but they also want to be making sure that they're investing in businesses that have the same outlook as they do. And it, again, I guess it feeds into how does, how does your positioning on media quality or um, brand suitability, how does that kind of drive your decision around your media investment? Who do I want to be associated with or who do I want to support as opposed to not? Um, and again, if you go back to the last two years, the speed of which we see news cycles, it, 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 it's, it was and has become very, very challenging. But we need to make sure that there's an understanding in the marketplace of both the, the brand and the agency side. And I, and I think about the agency marketplace nowadays, and there is there is um, a layer, a significant layer within each of the agency groups of real understanding of how there's always been a strong understanding of media quality, but how that kind of safety, suitability, brand integrity should feed into their media acquisition or partnerships within the media ecosystem. So I think we've we've come a long way, and, and again, it'd be interesting to see what happens at, at your summit because there are there are a number of different conversations that are, are, are permeating or are coming from this concept of brand safety that are driving around media choice, media investment, and kind of our positioning as a market for the future. 
Okay, so mark up the future. Obviously, what plays a big part of the future, especially at the moment, is CTV, new platforms, new platforms like TikTok. We've seen recently several reports come out about ad fraud moving into CTV. It's uh, it's unsurprising. Money money follows growth. So, what what are the biggest issues do you think with platforms like CTV and social platforms like TikTok when it comes to brand safety? So, uh, whether there are there are issues with those platforms per se, I, I think is, is is probably unfair. I think, um, as you say, you know, um, fraud follows money, right? Um, you could go back to the programmatic space again five, seven, ten years ago. Um, I think the broad-based concept of CTV uh, it, it varies depending on what market you're in. Uh, so the nuances of Europe, for example, when we think about UK, France, Germany, Spain, in, in fact, all of them, very much around kind of the, the, the different concepts and way in which we classify uh, CTV different. What we are very, very cognizant of is the way in which consumers are engaging with content has fundamentally changed. Um, again, accelerated over the last two years. You look at the, the, the growth or the exponential growth of CTV. You look at the exponential growth of TikTok simply because of the way in which consumers have evolved to engage with short-form video content. All of these are creating volume in terms of engagement and in terms of impressions and therefore opportunity, which also creates challenges, whether that be fraud within the CTV environment or whether that be brand safety and suitability challenges within, for one of a, a classification, social media or user-generated content environments. The great thing is um, all the platforms are very, very cognizant of this because they're working very, very closely with businesses like ourselves and the agencies and the advertisers to work out ways in which everyone can work and interact in, in ways to deliver personalized, engaging content around contextual environments that deliver media outcomes. Um, with regard to the CTV point, um, there are also challenges around consistency of measurement. Um, and again, if we want to have, or we want to be able to verify every impression across every environment or platform or screen device, which most brands and agencies do, that's something that technology is helping to evolve. I think uh, from, a, from a fraud point of view, we've been as a business and as a market um, very, well, we've been acutely aware of, of the challenge, but we've been very strong in, in ousting out the bad actors. Um, so it's something that we're aware of, but also something that we're in, very excited about um, because, you, again, you start to, to harness these new platforms and environments in a way in which you understand the way in which the consumer is interacting. You can, again, start to deliver real media and business outcomes in a way that's privacy-relevant, contextually-relevant, and the consumer is interacting and engaging in an appropriate way. So more to come, um, but again, the broad-based umbrella of CTV really depends, or depends on the market you're in. Uh, but we, well, we are, we are in a world where we interact and engage with content fundamentally. It's changed more in the last five years as in the last fifty years, and we'll continue to do so. 
Well, Nick, that's all quite notes from which to end. I, there's no one I'd like to talk to more. There's no one knows this market better than you, I'd say. Uh, but also, uh, NDA is about the industry itself and how the industry sort of works and plays. Uh, so what's, let's get your view on, on the, you've mentioned the last two years quite a lot during this podcast. Obviously, <laughs> it's because your behavior's changed. But, you know, our industry's changed itself. We talked about Brand Safety Summit coming back to the real world. Uh, events are just slowly coming back uh our industry sort of thrives on these events it thrives on networking and yeah. all these wonderful things we've loved so what's your view on how the industry is now are we getting back to normal post pandemic or i think i think the industry has has been incredibly resilient i go back to you know march april may of 2020 and i might not have thought the same because you know the floor seemed to, to <laughs> drop um, but I would say it's testament to the the people within the industry, the way in which I wouldn't say we've bounced back, but we've evolved, pivoted and, and, and navigated, whether that's the way in which we, we've worked through homes, whether that's through Zoom or Teams. But the way in which we've, as, a, as an industry, not just managed to uh, maintain, but actually evolve and, and grow. If you look at spend figures for last year, um, and the predictions for this year, you know, certainly in the UK, the industry is in, in, in rude health. Um, that has meant that, as I said, we've had to evolve and adapt. Um, we, w- we were talking earlier around, you know, uh, when I first started, the kind of the amount you learned in an office, uh, not just with your peers, but, you know, the people you looked up to and the respect to the other people in the industry. And part of that was sure kind of, I start to mind share whether well, that's kind of brainstorming or or having conversations or being out with media owners, being at industry events where we evolve and thrive with each other. You know, mankind, humankind is is a social animal, um, and it's the way in which we evolve and learn. So, I think we've we've pivoted well. Um, I hope we continue to do so because that will enable enable us to thrive and evolve. And, you know, harness, create and harness technology that helps us become better at what we try and aspire to do. Um, And I look forward to being involved in more in-person events. Definitely. uh, Everywhere in the world as we move forward. Definitely, totally agree. Well, Nick, it's been an utter pleasure spending time with you. Thank you for your time. As I say, the most normal person in the industry, I would say. (laughs) Thank you so much. Good to see you and see you again soon. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.